Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And uh, Lisa, I think I'm going to let you introduce this episode's guest because you may know him just a little bit better than I do. Yeah, I think about 25 years ago, I got to know this person. Um, happens to be somebody I gave birth to um, and happens to be, I think, pretty cool young man today. Not so sure I would have said that in third grade, but that's a different discussion. Uh, no, this is uh, my son, Josh. And uh, Josh is an amazing young man who's made some pretty good achievements in life with a few struggles, and I'll let him share his own story. So, Josh, I actually met you when you were little, and one of the very first things I remember is your mom, um, who's a really composed person, saying, hey, will you please come to this IEP meeting with me? You know, will you please come to this school meeting with me because I'm about to lose my mind because I can't get people to understand my son. So I wonder, can you, can you just share with, with the listeners kind of what was your experience in school as a, as a young man who um, had some differences, but not some glaring differences and, and people may or may not realize, you know, that you had things that you were struggling with. Can you give us a little bit of background of your earlier school experiences? Yeah. Um, well, I definitely didn't look like a person that had uh, an IEP or anything like that. Uh, I looked like your average person running around doing sports like everyone else. But in reality, it, that's kind of what I think a lot threw a lot of curveballs to either students or teachers thinking that I didn't have one or need one. But in reality, like I was struggling with schoolwork and everything like that that it normally is. And so specifically when it, when it comes to school, like at what point did you start to think you're in school, things are going along fine, you're a social guy, um, and then like suddenly you start to hit some barriers. What were some of the first barriers you kind of remember when you were in school? Well, for one was uh, my motivation for being like at school or going to school. Uh, I, I love the social aspect, but when it came down to sitting down, paying attention, and staring at a screen for eight hours out of the day. I kind of started to lose focus and not really want to be there anymore because I was bored. It also came back to some of the teachers and some of their uh, kind of reasons for me not being as attention, as paying as much attention as I probably should have um, and things like that. Well, and I, I think, um, again, kind of having known you historically and also having a son myself, it's a little hard to tease out sometimes how much of that is a function of just, you know, gender differences among boys in school and that, uh, that idea of feeling bored, um, possibly more so than some of, the, some of the female students. But in general, we know that boys are, are, are underserved just as a, in general in some classrooms. What kind of things do you remember teachers doing specifically? And obviously not names, but like, can you think of any teaching behaviors? Because we do have teachers who listen teaching behaviors that made it harder for you instead of easier as a student? Um, well, for making things harder, definitely was the, at the younger ages, was like getting a punishment. Uh, if I wasn't paying attention, I get punished for not paying attention more, which only made it worse. <laughs> so yeah. it's, hey, can you go face this wall when you already weren't paying attention with something active on the screen? <laughs> um, so uh things like that um i never was a huge fan of repercussions for something like that like giving out more homework 
it doesn't actually do anything, um, in my opinion. Maybe for some people, but definitely not for me. (laughs) Um, But uh, I think the fact that just, uh, it really helped when I was in a room that was more active and more talking as a whole. Mm -hmm. I I think that's, you know, I can say that's true. My my own son as well. So, you know, as you as you started to, to, to get a little older, and I know that um, high school in particular, um, again, when you're younger, and it's already, you know, you're not loving one thing, and then you get to high school, and there's more of the thing that you don't love already. Can you describe any of those experiences, either maybe in, in writing or reading, or what type of specific things just made you think, man, I just don't want to do this? Um, I think it was going into a classroom and sitting for an hour and a half. <laughs> Yeah. Um, if it was going into a classroom and maybe playing a basketball game for an hour and a half, might be a little bit different, even though I'm not a huge fan of basketball. But it's, it's something that's completely active and upping and going that I enjoy. Um, I mean, there are some of those people that do actually enjoy sitting down and learning something new because they enjoy that subject. But for me, and that's kind of, I think, what's hard about school is that it's so different from everybody's different ways of learning that some people it's running around and some people it is actually sitting down and staring at a chalkboard. Right. Tell me, I, I, do, I do have a question for you. So tell me about when you get assigned a book. I, I, teachers tend to love to say, let's read a chapter book. Uh, you want to share a little bit about like the dyslexia side and what that what that did for you whenever somebody would say oh here's a chapter book to read and please have this ready what what was your response I'm, i kind of lived it but i'd love to hear it from your perspective well it sounds like you have a better memory about that than i do but from <laughs> just in general reading books as a whole uh unless it was something that like i actually wanted to pick up and read if someone handed me a book and told me to read it 90 percent of the time i wasn't going to read it <laughs> or I really, really, really did not want to read it, and I'll do everything I can not to read it. Um, I will actually go search a video about the book and watch the video about the book, then read the book itself because I, I don't, I don't know. I just if I'm reading, I want to read something I want to read, not what someone told me to read. And I think that's true for a lot of people, not just me. So, Josh, you know. All of these things being what they were, um, you, you, you did manage to succeed and to go on. And I know it's because of your sports prowess, which we'll, we'll discuss. But, you know, now you are a college graduate, um, an ambassador for the Tourette Syndrome. Um, so what do you think, what skills, what personal skills of yours overcame that, the, the, drudgery of school you know how do you feel like you overcame those things that um, really were barriers even if some of them were psychological and you know some were dyslexia but what interpersonal skills what do you think helped you get there um my biggest thing was always having an outlet um whether that be a hobby um that someone has or that i had uh, my hobbies have changed a lot over the years, but I've always stuck to one uh, gymnastics and whether, even if it was a day I didn't want to go, whether cause I was tired down or I just wasn't motivated. Um, 
it was always something that was like scheduled six days a week my whole life that I always had that outlet. Um, and some people it is sitting down reading a book, but I found that like, like different hobbies or different sports um, that were, especially that were in my case forced upon me per se, meaning like I had practice times and I had to go, especially at the college level. Um, I always had an outlet whether I wanted it or not. And it, in the end, it always made me come out feeling better than I was going in. Yeah. And Josh, one of the things that, you know, again, we're very proud of you as parents that, you know, you persevered through not only disabilities, but through struggles. Uh, writing is definitely not your forte. And so I really have two questions for you, but I'll start with the first one, and then I'll, I'll give you the second one afterwards. And that is, um, talk about technology. You've always said, you know, you jokingly tell people you weren't college material, uh, but you went anyway because gymnastics gave you the opportunity. And yet you, you know, graduated with really good GPA and, and you know, got a college degree, which is a really big deal. Um, what, it, what were the tools and what were the technology? What would your advice be to parents or people with disabilities or teachers? Like, what's the tool? What, what did technology do for you um, in giving you a gateway that maybe others might want to learn from? Yeah, uh, one of the biggest things that really uh, gave me an advantage in college or not even just in college, even kind of like towards high school when technology was starting to become more prevalent in schools uh, it was like knowing the pro different programs like Word, Excel, um, even like Google Docs and just knowing your way around those things made things easier, whether you're doing projects with other students or just projects in yourself, knowing the ins and outs was less of a headache later. The more I knew it now, the less I had to worry about learning it later when I actually needed it. Also, there's some, some ways I was able to cheat the system and <laughs> and know some ways around it by doing stuff like that. <laughs> it wouldn't have been like the photo math app or anything that you did some math problems with. <laughs> You're not going to publicly admit that. Good. All right. So, well, and then my second question is, you, you recently uh, had a chance a couple years ago, and I now, now with COVID, you're limited in what opportunities you've had, but you got a chance to meet up with 30 young adults uh, with Tourette syndrome in Orlando and become a part of a team that's called uh, Tourette syndrome association ambassadors. Talk about what that experience was like for you to meet 30 other people like you and kind of highlight some of that experience. Cause I know you, you really, you were as excited about that as you were going to the NCAA championships. And I just found it interesting why that excited you so much. So share a little bit from that experience. Yeah. Well, for one, it was an experience that I've never really experienced. I haven't really been around many other people that have Tourette's, especially some that have it way worse than me. Uh, the biggest thing was I walked into this meeting room with tons of probably like 30 other people. And I didn't really, I felt really uncomfortable at first because like I said, I haven't been around it very much. And then next thing you know, by the end of it, I have some best friends in the room and I felt really comfortable and everyone was kind of ticking off of each other. And it was, it was actually kind of funny because we were all laughing at it because one person would say one thing and it bounce off to someone else. And then we would all turn around and look at each other and start laughing if it was something funny or whatever. But it was, it was a great experience because everyone was comfortable and was able to kind of do what they do whenever they need to. And it was, it was a good time. 
Yeah, I think for me as a parent, and then I'll, I'll throw it back to you, Becky, is I, I think it's the one thing I wish I'd have done sooner because I watched you just light up in saying there's 30 other people not only like me, but I think all these people were also very successful. Um, and I think that was what was really fun for you was to not only meet others, but I mean, what were some of the things that some of the folks at, at that conference did? I think a lot of them owned businesses. What, what were some of their backgrounds? Um, yeah, everyone did a little bit of everything. Well, most of the, most of the people were still in school. Uh, some were definitely like going for like medical school and doing some, some pretty outrageous things that I wouldn't be going to medical school. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm happy with where I was. Um, and then there's some people that were just struggling with school and just trying to push through and get their four year degree kind of like me and they seem to be doing what they're doing and it's working for working for them. So, you know, Lisa, um, obviously anyone who knows us knows we're huge inclusion proponents. Um, and I, I, in, in Josh's story and also in other stories that I hear sometimes, it does remind me of the importance also of making sure that people have um, the option of surrounding themselves with, with groups of people who are, similar in, you know, whether it's a, um, a specific disability, um, you know, a, 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 a wheelchair basketball league. I, I asked a little girl one day, she was in a wheelchair and we were chatting and I asked her what she did for fun. And she said she played in a soccer league. And I said, Oh, do you play out here locally? And she said, no, I, I drive to Tampa um, because there is a wheelchair soccer league and I said, oh, they, they, don't, they don't let you play in the league here? And she said, I don't want to play in the league here. I want to play with people who are also in a wheelchair. And it was a great reminder to me that sometimes I think we, you know, because of our beliefs about people having access to the same things, it's important to realize that sometimes, like Josh, people choose, you know, to surround themselves with, with others who have, have some things in common. So, um, Josh, I just have um, one one final question for you now our <laughs> our this is my one final question um our podcast is designed you know around that idea of being practical so if you could give parents i'll just ask about parents like one tip just one tip you know now that you're an adult what's one recommendation you would give parents when they see uh, that their son or daughter is not successful in the way that they would expect them to be or not performing in school, et cetera, what would be the one thing you would say to those parents? Um, if I can put it uh, and just make it short and sweet, uh, I would definitely give the tip saying that they should be finding a hobby. I uh, think that's like, or some sort of outlet that they enjoy, not something that you enjoy uh, as a parent. I think it should be something that they enjoy and that they are eager and willing to go to uh, because for me, it was giving me motivation at the end of school or even before school or whatever on the weekends, gave me some sort of motivation to get through the week or through the day to then know, like in my case, it was gymnastics practice after school every day. It was okay. 3.30, all right, it's, it's coming up, blah, 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 let me just get what I need done, and then I'm off to practice to go do something I like. But having some sort of outlet or some sort of motivation for 
either a sport or something like basic scrapbooking. I don't know, whatever that is. Uh, but finding a hobby, I think, is my my biggest one. Well, I have. It's. I, I really do have a question that's practical, but I do want to know what what is your what are you most what what do you feel you're at this point in your whole twenty five years? What are you most proud of? Uh, definitely getting accomplished. Like college is definitely one of my biggest things, and then also being as successful as I was in gymnastics, going through it, and at the time I didn't see myself being as successful as I as I was looking back at it and what I've actually accomplished. All right, and then my practical question: This is one not to do and to do. You're going to be, lots of teachers are going to be listening to this. You're the kid with dysgraphia, dyslexia, and Tourette's sitting in their classroom. Tell them one thing to do and one thing please don't do. Um, well, for one, don't put people in timeout or exclude mm -hmm. them from the classroom. That is a, a definite no-no. Uh, <laughs> and then I would definitely say to do is make everything a little bit more active in the classroom, whether that be more talking or more physical running around, I guess you could say, uh, or just group work in general, because I know that students always like group work. They don't like being separated from each other because everyone wants a human interaction. All right. Well, thank you, Josh, for joining us. And uh, thanks for uh, taking the time to hang out with your mother. Um, oh, yeah. So <laughs> if you have questions, please post them on our Facebook page at Practical Access or send us a tweet at Access Practical. Thanks, Josh. Thank you.